Welcome to the Glee Man's Apprentice, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your Glee Man, Twitch Avery. And I'm his apprentice, Mandy Cat. As Mandy Cat has already read the first four books of the series, there will always be poten- potential spoilers up through the Shadow Rising. And after that, I'll be reading the rest of the books for the first time with my Glee Man. Alright, welcome back to the Glee Man's Apprentice. I am your Glee Man, Twitch Avery. And I'm the apprentice, Mandy Cat. How are you doing today, Mandy? Pretty good. Good day. I only worked a half day because I had my annual, my yearly physical, all is well. So right on. Can't ask for much more than that this year. Right on. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing amazing. We had a really good weekend. It was Dylan's birthday, so we just kind of hung out as a family. She actually got a whole day off, so that was cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. That probably doesn't happen often. But. We got a tree, and we're going to decorate it tonight, so... A beautiful tree, very full, like luscious. How yeah. would you describe that? Yeah. Yeah. When we got up there, they were like, "Oh, this is actually just uh, ten dollars off for today." Nice. And I was like, "It's already only like forty dollars," so it was thirty dollars, and I gave them thirty-five, and they were like, "Are you sure?" I was like, Aww. "Yes." Are you kidding me? This is like the, uh, a tree like that in Salt Lake would cost uh, seventy bucks probably. So it's been like 20 years since I took Mr. Young's biology class, which in Minnesota you study trees as well. Do you know what kind of tree that is? The needles are a bit longer, but it isn't, it, it's not a jack pine. No. I got that's... a spruce for my house, so they have short stubby. Yeah, no, I, I want to say it's a fir. I want to say oh, okay. it's a kind of fir. That would make sense because yeah. they do look soft. Okay, yeah. it's I, beautiful. Balsam. They had it labeled yesterday when I got it. I just can't remember what Probably it was. Probably a traditional but, yeah. balsam fir. So, balsam fir. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Mr. Young, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> okay, so uh, last week we uh, stopped at chapter 30. Correct. We made it up and, to that point. And are we going to hop right in? And uh, Well, where were we? Uh, um, what happened? Oh, you know, that was the, we followed Perrin and Eguin with the traveling folks, and they got captured. That's probably crucial to remember. Yep. Uh, a touch of Rand and Matt, and we did see Tom maybe, maybe not get attacked by a half-man. In, in White Bridge. In White Bridge. Yes. And then the Nynaeve Moraine and Land crew... Also made it to Whitebridge, but decided to pursue the boy with the coin, which yes. we know to be Perrin. They yep. don't know who it is. And then we, 
Is that where they ended? Was right there, actually? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's where yep. we ended. Yep. So I don't want to go into today's episode quite yet. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we're going to uh, start in chapter 31. Correct. Um, and I can't remember what the title of it is. Oh, yeah. But, uh. Something Let's important, see. I'm sure. Children of Shadow was... Uh, chapter 30. Yeah. And then... Oh, Play for Supper. Oh, okay, yeah. so we're getting into... Sorry about that, I'll have to edit that out. But So we're getting into Rand and Matt's travels. Yeah, so Rand and Matt's excellent adventure, or <laughs> as Ran- I'm starting to call them, random. Random. Ran- random. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'll jump into my cat notes, which are getting more and more detailed every... I love it. Time I go through these. So what I really wanted to do, but I don't think you're giving me permission to do this, but really a basic summary of the next chapters is that Matt and Rand need to figure out how to survive on the road to Camelin with minimal resources and knowing that the bad guys and evil monsters are after them and it results in a series of unfortunate events which Rand cannot keep straight in his mind and we, the readers, are subject to his garbled point of view. Okay. But you want me to go in more detail than that? I, I, I would love okay. your your more detailed notes. All right. I mean, that's... That's, uh, that's um, accurate. Yep, yeah, that's very okay. accurate. It's very, very nice and short uh, summary. But yeah, because I want to... You're going to regret that. But okay, chapter 31, <laughs> play for your supper. Matt and Rand are walking the road to Camelin, which is a popular road. And they're also hiding from soldiers, experiencing minimal kindness from strangers, and essentially starving, while Matt becomes more protective of his dagger and freaks out when Rand suggests selling it. They attempt to work for farmers on the way in order to barter for food and or a place to stay, but are often cheated or simply chased by dogs. Uh, Q Master Grinwell, who allows them to work on his farm, and his wife actually does feed and clothe the pair. However, their lovesick daughter Elsa falls head over heels for Rand and makes it uncomfortable for him and her mother, ruining the perspective of any longer-term work. But after seeing Matt juggle and Rand play flute for the kids in the farm family, Mistress Grinwell hints that they would do well to perform for inns for room and board, which is what they do. And it works. They even get a ride in the morning from one of the men who had spent a late night drinking, Farmer Ezel Forney, who drives them five miles. Keep going. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Now, <clears throat> Forney was the one that started getting suspicious of him, right? Yeah, yep. he he did. He uh, and it didn't help that Matt is a dick. Yep. Yep. He he was he was being pretty cool to him, and then I think Matt he was, was being super suspicious, right? Yep. And then he was basically, I have a family I yep. gotta protect, yep. so we didn't see each other. Cool, <clears throat> cool. All right. So the next chapter is thirty-two. Four kings in shadow. So the fellas continue to the town called Four Kings, which is a scruffy town according to the book. Rand immediately picks up a bad vibe, but Matt, of course, refuses to sleep under a hedge. And they end up at the only inn without performers, the Dancing Cartmen, where we meet the skinny innkeeper, Samuel Samuel Hake, whose first action that we see as the reader is to backhand one of the barmaids. Not cool. Well, okay. Uh, let's, let's, Let's talk about this. So they walk in... And uh, Rand immediately thinks this is a disgusting place, 
Like Yeah, I think just bad vibes all around. Well yeah, but there's like spider webs in the corner, the not floor does kept. not look like uh it's it's been swept in a week. And I think the barmaid is actually talking to Rand, but she's is she a little bit sassy or something about Hake? It, there was sass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but yeah, it was yeah, stuff yeah. you and I would see as humor. Exactly. And well and like anybody that works in the Bar industry. Yeah. Uh, that's how we talk to each other. You know, it's it's a lot of, you know, just snide remarks and I mean nothing disrespectful or anything like that. But you know what I mean, like, like you me- you mess with your coworkers. That's what you do. That's- Absolutely, and even I, I yes, because I even feel she wasn't being aggressive with her comment. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember he hit her, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen to your gut, Rand. Get out of there. But no, Matt doesn't want to sleep under a hedge. Samuel Hake's a dick. So they don't take the hint that this is not a good man. And we also meet Jock and Strom, the bouncer. It's totally like the SNL guys who lift weights, probably. Oh, yep. And the boys are told to start performing and keep performing. As they perform, they even notice Hake looking a little too close at their belongings. But they also see one man in dandy clothes watching them a little too closely. And this man is neither eating or drinking what is in front of him. This is Howell Goad. Yeah. (laughs) Just bad stuff all around. Okay. Rand wants to leave. He's picking up the cues. But Matt wants to eat because they've worked so far. And the boys are eventually, (sighs) later in the night, shown to a room. But they're actually really trapped because they realize that the only window in this room, because it wasn't a real room, right? It was more of a storage. It's like a storage shed, yeah. Yeah. Like a storage room. So that one window has iron bars, and this is totally, they're under the impression, yep, the bouncers are waiting to attack us. But lo and behold, goad to the rescue. Although he quickly lets them know that he, they belong to his master, the Dark One, and that they should submit. He's a dark friend. Um, so now they're getting desperate. They see others outside who are likely part of Goad's crew, and Rand feels desperate for a way out, and boom, lightning strike. Bursts a hole through the wall for a way out, but it also leaves poor Matt blinded, which maybe he deserves at this point. But they're able to escape, um, and we see Goad and the others left in the inn laying down, so we're not sure are they dead or alive. And, um, yeah, at this point... Yep, Rand called the lightning. So okay, okay. true power first confirmed. Read. First read. Yes. You, yes. You this thought was where I finally connected you. You were dots. like, okay. But did you at that time when you were like, oh shit, he channeled, did you think that he had channeled before? No. Like, okay, okay. So you still didn't have a hint about the boom or about No. I just was okay. continuing but, on with the story. But on the first read, you you did pick up this. This was the final, <coughs> the first moment of, okay. yep, it's for sure his okay. power, not naive's not dumb luck. Now, I'm, I'm sure you will uh, um, cover this in your notes, but Maybe. Uh, did you connect the sickness that follows? Yes. With with him channeling? Yes, that's, I that's think cause, this cause, is the section that Because we already heard the story... Yep. About yep. the, the sickness that happens after your first touching. So I needed Moraine to explain it all before I'd really believe it to be true. Yes. <laughs> no, perfect. That's awesome. Um, a couple things that aren't really very important, but... Um, but they're important to what's, you. What's different about Samuel Hake as far as innkeepers go? Okay, he's a skinny little guy. He's the first skinny innkeeper Rand has ever seen. 
And and you're right. The other thing was there was com- I'm sh- I'm guessing I don't have it all in front of me, but I think there were comparisons to the wine spring and that lack of attentive yeah. to details, yep. the dirtiness and yep. everything. Yep. So the, all of that together, this is another one of those. You put it together, and this guy isn't a good guy. And I I do remember uh, what what makes uh, Hake slap his uh, server, his his uh, barmaid. Um, he tells Rand and Matt that he has a guy who plays the uh, dulcimer, I think. Um, An instrument of some sort. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, um, oh, and and that's she, when that's when she's like, yeah, he's if he drinks, up. yeah, if he show, he drinks more than he than he plays, and that's when go so it, slaps her, and it, right. not only that, but she drops um, a wine the glass, glass, and he says she's docked. Her pay is dogged for that. Right. Even though he... So this guy's just a fucking yeah, prick, right? It's just a horrible, horrible person. Very quick to know this is not a good person. Very quick. But you're right. Yes. Now, do you think that he's a dark friend? We know I the goat is. No, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't he's think... He's pretty darn sketchy, but it also just seems like... He's mad the maid, barmaid made fun of the guy for not showing up because he just wants an extra buck. Yeah. That's why he's mad. He wanted to fool the boys into yeah pain yeah yeah no he's um, he's just a dick right he's, yeah I don't think he's smart enough to be a dark friend to be a dark friend yeah, yeah maybe just more of a dick but probably quick to sell you out to a dark friend exactly yeah I would say that much is like if the dark came looking for him he'd be like oh yeah I'll I'll join your forces yeah I'll be a dark friend or you can I have, don't think he is but I think he would be in a heartbeat you can give me a half penny and I'll sell out someone because right because I get a half penny. <laughs> Okay. All right, chapter 33, The Dark Awaits. Sweet. All right, the duo, Matt and Rand, we start this chapter with them riding in a cart with farmer Haim Kinch, who genuinely appears to want to help them. Matt is still light-sensitive from the other night and keeps a scarf over his eyes, and Rand is thinking about his sickness and telling himself it's because of the light. So really, also Rand saying it helped me connect the dots. Yep. Um, the Queen's Guard passes by Haim Kinch's cart, and there is a minor history dump in which Rand connects the dots that the Two Rivers is under the Queen's realm, um, which is, it's funny, just he gives that picture. Yep. I wonder what they would say if they knew that. Like, it, yeah, they don't no, accept it, it exactly. even. Um, Farmer Kinch comes to his turn in the road and offers to help them, but Matt is suspicious, per usual, and they refuse. And Rand appears more sick than ever, so they continue on to find a place for Rand to rest. So at this point, the readers are given a reference to how rainy the weather has been since leaving the dancing Hartman and Four Kings, with Matt nearly blind from the lightning strike that had happened. Um, so continuing on from that little segue, Rand leads Matt by the hand as they continue on. Cue dream sequence and Rand sees Goat at the dancing Cartman, but very dead looking with severe burns, only recognizable by his dandy clothes. Baalzaman appears and says that Rand is his and then disintegrates Goad and insists the eye of the world will never serve Rand and that he marks Rand and shoots a fireball directly at Rand, who then wakes up feeling sunburned. Um, and he also has to wake up Matt, who is also in the midst of a nightmare. So they're getting multi-nightmares. Yep. And the story just keeps flowing from there. Alpert Mole drives up next to them and offers a lift and gives background to the local economy and weather, reporting no hay is growing or chick- chickens laying. Mole also wants to help them, but indicates that he needs to protect his family, but does offer each of them a thick scarf to which Rand is appreciative. So at this point, I'm like, 
okay, wait a minute, has this all been a flashback? I didn't really realize that for how the story had been flowing. And it was a very big cue. Rand's memories are really poor. Um, and I'm saying that because they had Matt had a scarf over his eyes yes. in the beginning with Kinch. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you know, I get to this point, first read and second read, where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You, you did it again. No, no, no. He, he kind of messes with you. He kind of like loops. Yes. Like rants. So, so he does the um, unreliable is... narrative, right? Correct. And so he, it's basically from whoever's POV, and it's, it's, it's from their memories. And so it's, yep. he's talking and about their thoughts. And, yeah. and so his memories aren't good. Yep. So, and it flows, how Robert Jordan writes it is so tricky because it's like, oh, he did say following the dancing Cartman, but it's in a way that you're like, sure, following the days since the dancing Cartman, not immediately. Yeah. All right. So anyway, at this point, the boys stay at an inn with Rula Allwine, who is a bulky innkeeper, and finally they get some rest. Um, But here, the next morning, they're approached by Pather, who is an obvious dark friend who does not take the rebuff lightly and yells in front of the crowd at the end about the great lord getting stronger and the shadow swallowing them, terrifying the locals. And this also pushes Rand and Matt to keep moving forward down the Camelin Road. Pater tends to be everybody's favorite dark friend. Oh, really? It's, no, not really. Oh, it's, okay. It's, but their they're favorite dark friend to like just Make bash on because he is just so pathetic, right? He's, yeah. he's so pathetic and like... He's a kid. So, hey, how are you guys doing? You, uh... You dark, you want to do some dark friend stuff? You, you, you want to be dark friendy with me? <laughs> we, can, we can be dark friendy together. Okay, I can I'll dark see. friend you if you're dark friend. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, he's, he's just pathetic about it. And then when they threaten him, he's like. This could be some good he, memes. Yeah, okay. exactly, right? Um, I will say his name um, reminds me of a little finger from Game of Thrones. And is his name actually Peter? For some reason, he I just think, strikes me as Littlefinger just wants... I, 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 I love that comparison. I not as smart, but there's um, just something about... Peter, right? Peter yeah. Baelish. So when he was young, he was pretty pathetic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's where I was like, but I don't think this Peter is going to necessarily get a second chance. I guess we'll find no, out. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. All right. More rides, more farmers, including one laughing about a story of a dark friend in Market Sharon and another farmer talking about 20-some dark friends in Market Sharon and the need for more Children of the Light to do something about it. Eventually, Matt and Rand arrive to the Queen's Man and they ask to perform and the innkeeper asks if they're also on the way to see the False Dragon. Um, so great cover story, right? But then Rand has a massive episode of the shakes and is too sick to perform. And we actually see, see Matt step up and he convinces the innkeeper to let them stay and they are moved to the stable. Um, and let's see, Matt tends Rand a bit, but Rand has some fever dreams and also a lady comes into the stable immediately trying to kill Matt, but thank goodness he's quicker with his ruby dagger and threatens her. Um, but Rand won't let Matt kill her. That's good to know. Uh, they tie her up, and she threatens that others are coming. So they're back on the road and picked up by Hyam Kinch. Everything yep. seems backward. Yep, yep. So you start with Hyam Kinch, and then it kind of... It, so Hyam Kinch is like the last The last driver. one. That's right. They got the so, scarf, but so it was still a few he's, days he's, before He's Kinch. talking about being, you know, having the ride with Hyam Kinch, and uh, um, then... He starts thinking about how they got there. So that's basically the meat of that chapter is like 
starts after the yeah. you know the introduction of Haim Kinch and then he starts thinking about how they got there but he doesn't really differentiate the time yeah he just kind of you're just you're just in Rand's mind you just kind of get thrown there so no it's 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 a tricky chapter he does a lot of that like yes, I mean we're does. we're approaching the end of the book and we can we're going to talk about that you know next episode but that's a confusing mind fuck as well right so right and but truly what it does, um, I, I noted, it seems a little bit backwards, but that's how Rand is feeling at this time. So Robert Jordan is making us feel like Rand, probably, of what the hell is this timeline. Yes, um, yes. All right, so chapter 34, The Last Village. They reach Carisford, and Rand reflects that his sense of time is getting skewed. They've been sleeping in haystacks and going hungry the majority of the time, at one point nearly whipped by the passing Queen soldiers. They managed to fit in as other folks headed to Camelin to get a view of that false dragon. At nightfall, they stop to rest at a village and overhear a fade talking to an innkeeper, Raymond Holdwin. A farmer leaves the inn after the half-man leaves, and this farmer is Almond Bunt, and he comments to Holdwin that he keeps strange friends. And Holdwin replies about the story of four kings and a reward for two country boys. Bunt does not seem bothered and insists on riding to Canelan that night ahead of the crowd, to which Holdwin just tells him, get out of here. Um, Rand makes an executive decision to approach Bunt for a ride, which Bunt totally agrees. He's all good with these two country boys hopping on his wagon after talking to Holdwin. Uh, during this ride, we have a history dump from Bunt to Matt about Canelan being the best city compared to Ilion. Avatar, Tear. He also mentions that there's a Tarvalon witch, Aleda, who we learn is an Aes Sedai and works with Queen Morgaze. As, as her advisor, right? Yes. But I like that he compares Aleda to a spider. I'm like, this is very interesting and very nice guy who loves his Camelin, loves his queen, but there's that witch yeah, advising yeah. the queen and she's a spider. So I think that was great. But we do learn he believes Morghese is no puppet, and she has two children, Lady Elaine and Lord Gawain. We even get the history of the previous rulers, Tigraine, who was the daughter heir, and she had vanished, and also Luke, the prince of the shield who died in the blight. Her brother, right? Yes, which is similar to like Lady Elaine is the mm-hmm. daughter, and her brother, Lord Gawain, we yep. learn will be kind of similar position as those two. Uh, there's a bit more history in Rand, who's been asleep, has a nightmare of a fade hurting his friends, and is awakened as they arrive to Camelin, the grandest city in the world. So, just so you know, as I was reading this book, I'm like, Camelin, Camelot, real cute, ha ha ha. Yeah. So. So, okay. I've learned through listening to multiple podcasts, and uh, our podcast probably won't be that informative, because I'm not that smart but um <laughs> uh um i knew there's a lot of arthur Arth- artharian arthurian yeah arthurian uh lore references, references that he's okay. taken you know that he, he uses like a lot like um they'll come up as we as we go along but uh he's also taken from a lot of different mythology he's 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 taken from uh, greek mythology he's taken from um, Norse mythology, uh, it, all over the place. So, so he he was a lover of history and really embedded a lot of 
different cultures philosophy into his into his writing which I appreciate and I probably notice here and there but I might not have there's a, there's a lot so it's very easy to miss fun fact I was in the musical Camelot Oh? Yep, I was Were Lady in Waiting number seven. Oh. But I did get a solo. So, good play. It was a good. Actually, it was really long and really boring. Yeah, I never liked that one. It's... I mean, I liked it, but it, it was. But Jeffrey it's... was. Uh, who was Lancelot? Our buddy Jeffrey that oh. did karaoke with yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, different story, different time. So, chapter 35, Camelin. Rand observes a huge city with its own inner city. Although Rand notes the people do not see the lack of spring and go about as normal. So I'm kind of, it strikes me the difference between growing up rural and then going to school downtown Minneapolis where no one looks you in the eye. Like people are yep. so in their own business. And I know Minneapolis isn't the largest city, but I think it's a good comparison of big it's, city it's, to yeah, rural it's, it's living. It's a big city. Rural living, you wave in the car, you have the farmer wave in the yep. car, you might even honk the horn. Anyway, so... Let's see. They make attempts to find the queen's blessing, as Tom had told them. But, of course, they don't have GPS. And it, they receive the opposite of help from city folk. And they note one with a white cockade on his hat was laughing at them when they asked for the queen's blessing. So, eventually, they do find the inn, the queen's blessing, which is complete with Master Gill, who knows Tom and is immediately supportive of Matt and Rand. We do get a back history of Tom, who used to be a court bard and very close to Morgay's. And actually, Master Gill doubts that Tom died. So we kind of have a nice... Uh, there right. we go. His buddy affirms that probably didn't die, guys. Don't worry about it. I need to see his dead body before I believe that. That's all I wrote for that chapter. So I might have really summarized what was going on. But there was... Um, I think it's worth noting, too. Matt was really in hate with the noise. And he's really negative Nancy. The others are dead. Yep. And they're trying to get through this bustling city. And we see people with a lot of white. Yep. Like that. I know that's noted. And maybe is that where Rand decides, I better hide my hair in Mark's sword. Yes. And when he goes into the shop. He gets the red one. Because the, the red cheap one's cheaper. Red and, and kind of the innkeeper's a little, or not innkeeper, shopkeeper's a little like, you can wrap your sword outside of my shop. Yeah. Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we don't, we have no clue. It's like, we okay. No... But you do start observing some people have white colors accenting their clothes and some people have red. red yep. So I think that's the general observation, right? Yes. Okay. Anything There's else? Pretty much know? everybody has either red with white trim or red or white with red trim. Right. Like on, on their even... sword hilts, on their. <laughs> It's a little Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, it's a little story. ridiculous, but they're so they're yeah. We don't really understand. We don't get an uh, explanation so. yeah. in this chapter of what they are, but we do in the later chapter. Now, how did you break this down this time? Because last time you split I just, each into group. I did you go chapter by chapter this time? Okay, went chapter by chapter. I didn't edit it around that. So okay. we're because we're, so, we're still with Matt and Rand for another chapter so pretty much just in that chapter they just uh get to camelin they get to camelin it's big it's impressive they, they meet um master gill nice fella yeah nice fella then chapter 36 is called web of the pattern and we get a little bit more of camelin so master gill is kind enough to let matt and Rand stay with them for free and 
Gil does ask them about their recent adventures, and they do tell him. So there's some so trust Rand makes the decision. Yeah, Rand makes the decision. He's like, "This is Tom's friend. I'm just gonna go for it." Yep. So he feels safe with him, opposite of Hake. Or yeah, right? Samuel Hake. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Gil mentions there's been a recent influx of rats as more people come to the city to see the false dragon. Matt stays up in bed and is pouting, so Rand goes into the library um, to hang out somewhere besides with Matt. And we meet Loyal, the ogre. I do say ogre, mostly, which I don't think I'm totally wrong. There's an extra I. Uh, You want me to say ogre? Is it distinctly There is a lot of... Uh, people that put a lot of clout on the pronunciations of things. I don't. It, the way he like spelled names of cities and of people, they're all over the place. And so, however you want to interpret it, you know, there are certain exceptions. Like, for instance, apparently in the show, they are going to pronounce Lan's name Lawn. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I studied that bugs Spanish. Me. <laughs> that bugs me. I studied Spanish, okay. so I typically do <laughs> Spanish pronunciations when in doubt, yeah. which that would totally be a lawn. But you're yeah. right. Up here, yeah. that's your green it's... grass growing outside your house, not exactly. a warrior. Exactly. Exactly. So right. uh, it's okay. I'll get over it. But um, I can but attempt yeah, Ogier. I just realize that you, usually in my head, that one's over. Some people say Ogier. No, some people say Ogier. I've heard some people say Ogier. Give it the hard R. R Okay. Anyway, so Rand rudely thinks it's a Trolloc at first sight because Loyal is huge in size and very, there's some general hairiness going on. But we quickly find out Loyal is an absolute sweetheart. He's a big teddy bear, right? So it's really interesting right here because, um, uh, yeah, Rand automatically thinks Trolloc, but then he's like, Loyal's just talking, right? And he's like, okay, this is a really nice creature. I have no idea what it is, but I'm not going to ask it because that would be rude. Right. It's, it's obviously not a Trollock. I've seen Trollocks. This is not a Trollock. So I don't want to be rude, right? So Rand yeah. is... he, he And good for him. Like, he, he he makes a good decision, right? And then uh, once, once Loyal starts talking about... Sorry if I'm skipping ahead in your notes, but once he starts talking about steadings, that's mm-hmm. when... That's when Rand's like, holy shit, you're an O'Gear. Right, he puts it together. Yeah, so we find out a little bit of history about Loyal, but he's basically 90 years old, but the same maturity as Rand, because apparently O'Gear live really long. Um, so when I say maturity, like literal, his physical growth, emotional growth, he's basically a late teen. He hasn't teen. been able to grow his Young beard adults. yet. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Probably um, about 18, 17, 18 in, in human years. So Loyal shares that he left his studying without formal permission from his stump because he was so excited to see the places he had read about, especially desiring to see the old groves that Ogier had planted back in the day. Um... Worth noting, I, I was quick to think Ogiers are similar to Ents from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Just slow moving, I, slow decision making. I'm pretty sure he said the stump could have taken another three years before he before coming up with a decision for him. Yep, and by then he would have been old enough to go out right. on his own so anyway. He so he just made a hasty decision yep. for an Ogier. So he's just like, fuck this, I'm out. We do get a history dump in which we learn Ogiers believe in the pattern And we learned that there was the breaking of the world, followed by the exile, the stone, the longing, and eventually 
studying that were created before all the old gear died. So it was pretty quick history like that didn't necessarily make sense to me the first read through other than okay stuff happened to you guys but then you got these studdings um he mentions a bunch of city names have changed over the years which i believe he's discovering as he's doing traveling yeah. outside of his studying and many were built over these groves or they cut down the groves and no one remembers the groves this is distressing for our dear loyal um Loyal does call Rand an ale man, but is quick to apologize when Rand takes offense and recognizes the name um, Manetherin as two rivers. Because he didn't understand two rivers at first because he... But Rand, having recently, you know, been told the story of... to Moraine, yeah. Of uh, Manetherin. Yep. Yeah, he's like, well, it was once called Manetherin. He's like, oh, the groves of Manetherin were said to be Yes, and I have the quote, your pain sings in my heart. We could not come in time. So a hint that, okay, Manetherin is important here. Um, but what do you think he means by that we could not come in time? Do you think the ogre were going to go Yes. help them? So, yeah. So do, you, so do you think the ogre fight? Oh, that's really interesting. But I guess the Ents did in Lord of the Rings when yeah. their stuff got burned down. Yeah. So, yeah, I, okay. I don't know if they were going to fight or just give them really nice structured walls to hide under. I have no idea. Okay. But, yes, I assumed I didn't think too much about it. So I guess I assume they fight. Um, Rand well, goes, I guess at this point in the story, we don't we we haven't really been told that Ogier are like extremely peaceful, right? Okay. So Rand feels enough trust with Loyal, and he does share every last detail since Winter Night, um, including his dreams. Right? I I think it's everything. Yeah, he tells me about his dreams and everything. I think this was a full on. I need a friend. Loyal's yep. my friend, and just shares. Um, and I like this. Loyal just reflects back the word tavern. Um, which Loyal learned from Elder Heyman, who must be pretty important. His name comes up here and there. Um, in which tavern means the wheel bends for the person, and that Arthur Hawkwing, Luz Theron, um, were also tavern. And also this makes me think, ah, those sparks that Min saw back at the uh, inn, where was that Berlon, where Min, the foreteller, yeah. could see these swirling sparks around Rand. So this is the first time we've heard the word Tavern, right? Yes. Okay. Anyway, it, it just to sum up this chapter, Lael wants to join Rand, but Rand is like, no, don't want, don't want you to hurt, don't want to hurt people. And so then Lael very simply, simply asks, hey, Rand, will you come talk to me sometimes and play a game of stones? He's so sweet. He's so lonely. Yep. It's so sad. Yep. This poor guy has to go around this beautiful city, and he can't actually go around it because he keeps getting called a trollock. Or he gets chased, taken. right? Yeah. And thank God there are people like uh, uh, why can't I think of his first name? Gill, Basil Gil. Basil Gill, um, yeah. who are somewhat worldly and intelligent, and you know have common sense and no bigotry, right? So. Yeah. Luckily, there were people like like him to bring Loyal in and protect them. Yeah, and I guess even though this happened after the fact, after Rand and Matt met Gil, it's further proof this Gil guy is a very fair-minded, wholesome, cultured person. Yes. Right? It just adds to his credit. Yes. We like Gil. Which, I mean, it makes sense that somebody who's always lived in, like you were saying, in a city is... You're automatically going to have access to things 
um, like even though they didn't have the internet or anything like that, you're still gonna have access to information that somebody living in, you know, buttfuck middle of nowhere. Right. Um, is going to have so so yeah so it makes sense that he is more worldly than these country folks for sure but at least he's not crabby like the city folks ignoring them so I have to say like the eye of the world I think is one of the few books that Robert Jordan wrote uh, where there's not very much downtime like there's pretty much constant constant Movement. action, constant shit going on. We've yep. gotta get from A to B as quickly as possible and we gotta we get separated. Like there's this section that we just read, like from Whitebridge to uh, getting to the stag or getting to the Queen's blessing and meeting Basil Gill, I think is probably the slowest part. In this in this chapter, because it's just following Rand and Matt, or in Deception. this book, right? In yes. this in this entire book, um, well, the just traveling Rand people and Matt and... felt slow. Too. Yeah, no, you're no, you're right. The traveling people that's that's the other slow part in this book. Like those are, but because they weren't traveling. <laughs> to segue, <laughs> I wasn't very smooth there. Um, this next chapter, because right, we're we're, we're at the we're launch. The... Oh, you're right. We're gonna switch perspective. This is where it pretty much just starts moving and doesn't stop till the end, right? And I think that's why I had to keep adding more and more detail yeah. than I typically like to, because I'm like, there's just so there's much so in every much chapter. There's so much that happens right now, yep. Yeah, that would make sense then. Okay, So, right. So, like, for me, this chapter is uh, one of my favorite chapters in the book. It's, it's, it's... Oh, it's my favorite. It's so By good. Far. It's so yeah. good. It's, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you being a 90 fan, of yes. course, right? Yes, Because this is, is the one... Well, no, this is parents' perspective. Nope. No, this is 90. This is, is 90. Yep, you're this right. is yep, yep. the best chapter in this yep. whole book, guys. It's like, I, I'll say this at one point, but it's basically could be renamed instead of The Long Chase. Chapter 37 could have been called The Warder's Love Story. You're going to have to hear me out on that one. Okay. But, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love this chapter. Thank God it wasn't. I'm, I'm just going to... So I mean, thank God it wasn't renamed The Warder's Love Story, because at that point I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm not reading a cheesy romance book. But I would. All right. <laughs> so, the long chase. We're back to Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine, who leave the Camelin Road to head north toward the boy with the coin. And then Moraine has this moment of, he lost the coin, which really freaks out Nynaeve. But thankfully, Moraine says, he got the coin back. Okay, that's, that's great. So Lan keeps checking on Nynaeve to make sure she's following him and uh, Moraine, which I, you know, right there, it's like, yeah, he's not that type of guy. He likes Nynaeve. He yep. has to keep looking over his shoulder. Is she following us through these woods? Like, is she off track? It's like, the woman is from Two Rivers. She he's, knows what she's doing. He's probably the most unique woman he's ever met. Like, he keeps, <laughs> she keeps surprising him and like, the things that she knows and the things that she can do, you know, being, oh, "Quote unquote woman, right from from, you know, like we said, middle of nowhere, right, uh, backwater, you know, Hicktown, and uh, and yet she, it she just keeps surprising him with with skills that he did not expect from her. So right, and at some point, I think 
when Moraine had reflected that Nynaeve might have some power, I think that's where Lan started gaining more respect for her, too. Yeah. I think there was a subtle, he was surprised. Yeah. Which, anything subtle by Lan, you have to multiply that times 20 right, for exactly. the normal human. Exactly. All right, so so a little bit of nighttime, Moraine kind of comforts Nynaeve or something with, uh, I she says something, but so Moraine goes to bed. Oh, it's about the boy, because Nynaeve's so upset. Like, how are we going to find him? Something yeah. like that. Moraine goes to sleep. Nynaeve can't really go to sleep. It's not really clear whether she does or doesn't, but she's startled in the middle of the night by Lan, who, uh, he just grabbed her arm, but she's so startled. And he tells her that she is needed and guides her by the hand all the way through the dark woods to Moraine, which was necessary, and even Nynaeve concedes, like, yeah, I'd probably trip and fall on my face if he hadn't done it. And they go directly to Moraine, and he does, like, I, it's just so sweet. He even, like, brings her down to the knee because they're all kind of leaning on their knees looking down where there's a bunch of tents, right? Woo-hoo! And Moraine says the boy with the coin is in those tents. So... Uh, quickly figure out it's the white cloak tents, right? They have yep. that figured out yep. by now. Yep. Um, Nynaeve just simply, it's very pure. She asks Lan, so what's the plan to save him? And has to do this reflection that she has such a high expectation of Lan that he can do anything and everything. And also, at this point, he does include her in the game plan. He's not, like, condescending or anything. He's simply like, you know, there needs to be a distraction. And she yep. totally accepts it. So that's where I'm all like, oh, my gosh, this is true love. He included her in his plan. This and is I, beautiful. I just listened to this a uh, few hours earlier, and I was driving, so I didn't write anything down. But um, doesn't isn't there a point where he says something to the extent of... Um, like we're 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 trusting you with this because I I know you can do it right yeah to, he he gives her a extent. compliment of her skills yeah. to some degree yeah like okay cool um which just reaffirms and plus she's totally I'll do anything for my MN's fielders like it's yeah. also she has pure love for whatever kid is over there yep. it's her kid yep. Um, and she's really desperate to find Eguine because she has no idea. I think that was part of her chagrin with Moraine earlier or something. Moraine couldn't comfort her about um, Eguine. Yeah. All right. So Nynaeve is instructed to use her skills and sneak into the White Cloak camp. And um, she has to go in and cut the horse picket lines partially so they'll be easy to snap. Um, Lan gives her a warning. Hey, some wolves have been spotted and it almost seems on purpose. And where there's one wolf, there's a bunch of wolves. Yep. So we also get the point, Lan is smart. Yep. Like, he's way smarter than those white cloaks who couldn't figure it out with Perrin and Aguin. But Nynaeve is just sassy, like, excuse me, I'm from the two rivers. I know this shit. <laughs> like, I love that exchange. Um, but boom, he just leaves and goes, goes and does his part. So, yes, Nynaeve goes into camp i think does she even crawl at some point but oh, yeah. she she no, totally no. figures out the guard the white cloak guards she she routine. watches their routine right it, it's she, really simple because they're idiots they just look at each other they march back and forth look straight at each other. ahead they're not looking from side to side they're just marching yeah. right it's like it's pretty simple yeah um yeah. they're obviously not but she is getting nervous and i think it's is it after the third line or something she has one more to go and she's almost ready to go back but she cannot 
go back and not do everything and everything for Lamb. She would be so ashamed and if she he found even, out that she could have yeah. kept going and she didn't. And she even knows he wouldn't feel bad about it because yep. she's a wisdom, not a, you know, not like a secret agent or but something. But that's not good enough for her. She's <laughs> going to impress the hell out of this guy. So, good old Nynaeve. I know. Me too. <laughs> um, good old Nynaeve goes to the next one, next horse picket line, however that looks. And there's Bella. Like, no shit. She just looks up and it's Bella. She's like, there can be no other shaggy mare nope. out there. This is Bella, this which Bella. means Iguina is here. So she actually super smart on her part, which I think is why I like her. And I do attribute her to Hermione from Harry Potter. But she's like, aha, I'm going to keep Bella because that means there's an extra person. And she also has this like instant message gut feeling if we do not have horses for each person, we will be caught and killed. Yep. Some, someone's yep. going to die. So she does like feel this intu- intuitive, and she's even like, where the hell did that come from? So she not only grabs Bella, she grabs an extra horse for the boy, yep. who thankfully um, just seemed really appreciative that she stroked its nose like she had stroked Bella's. It's this sweet, like, yeah, oh, these horses like... don't get any positive attention. Yep. So anyway, she manages to do it, and she's just like, when will the signal come? When will the... And boom, lightning, and she has to hold on to two reins from two frightened horses. But, um, And I think that's actually... She... Let me see. She takes... like, Oh, the wolves are snapping. Like, it is chaos. Yep. It yep, is really quick now. chaos. And she realizes this is her cue to exit. She does get on the horse, doesn't she? I think she gets one. She gets on Bella, right? Yeah, it ends pretty quickly, but she has both horses in her grasp. So the other horse is, like, her hand is getting almost torn off, but because she had wrapped it around her wrist. And I can picture this because I have a dog, good old Merle, (laughs) who I take for walks. And boy, tell you what, he's a 70-pound shepherd Labrador mix. And that boy can just pull me. And it hurts. We we haven't announced it, but when we do, uh, we take turns recording at each other's houses. And when we record at Amanda's house or Mandy's house, you will often hear... Click, 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 click. In the background. That's Merle. He's walking on the wood floor and then he comes. And you also don't hear this, but he's trying to like make Tim or Twitch play with him. Like... Doesn't stop, does he? He chews on my arm pretty much the whole time. It's cool. It's cool. I I like dogs. All right, so that's the Warder's love story, just so you guys know. But let's go ahead and get the other point of view, Chapter 38, Rescue. So now we have the parent perspective. He's tied up on the cold ground. Um, Uguin is actually asleep because of her, only because of her exhaustion. Enter Lord Bayar who um, pretty much threatens Perrin with more torture to come and hints, hey, you know, we're going to move a lot faster to get to where we need to get. If you just escape. If you guys just escape. And he throws a sharp stone at Perrin. And Perrin is just going into this, I really need to think this through. This seems like a trap. But you can tell the poor kid is exhausted, tired, literally physically beaten. And he knows he needs to think, but he does not have the capacity to think. So, suddenly... um. Instant wolf message. Help comes. And just then the guards are taken out, immediately followed by buyer and enter lamb. Yay. <laughs> it's, um, such a, it's such a great moment, right? It like, is. No. It, it's smooth because you're a little worried because you're like, oh, yeah, buyer, you shouldn't trust him. Um, Perrin and Nguyen disguise themselves in the 
white cloaks of the fallen men and escape directly out of the camp in the chaos of lightning, wolves, and running horses. They get to Moraine safely, who says that Nynaeve has not yet returned, so Lan immediately just turns around to go back to the camp, only for Moraine to argue with him using his full name, which is the first time I think we've seen Lan question Moraine. Um, but immediately Nynaeve then arrives with her two horses, super happy, um, and it's this moment, Egwene is excited to see Bella, Nynaeve is excited to see Egwene, and Land holds Nynaeve in a moment, um, really reminiscent, he, he just like touches her arm or hand or something, but for those who watch the early 2000s Pride and Prejudice, it's the <laughs> Mr. Darcy touching Lizzie Bennet's hand moment, and you see him just kind of like flex his hand after he lets go, it's true love guys, so anyway, Perrin receives a last instant wolf message from Dapple saying, one day again. And they ride to a safe place for resting where Moraine observes Perrin's eyes are now golden. And she comments, well, that wasn't foretold. And that there is no healing for it. Um, but we do see Lan take a moment to educate Perrin with a small history dump of Elias Machera. Um, and that the pattern lace of ages is weaving itself but Perrin just may be stubborn enough to save himself now this is a pretty long speech from Lan yeah he this doesn't is, talk much does he this is one of the longer speeches we've gotten from and, him up to this point yeah like um and even that he took that moment with Perrin that's not his usual it's not method. like he's so does it seem does it seem like he's starting to like grow an affection for these kids? Yes, because I mean, in the beginning, he was totally, I'm basically I'm Moraine's guard, kind of yep. aloof, stays to the yep. side. I'll do what I can to save you, but if it comes down to you and her, it's all I'm her sacrifice, and I do you, what and she I have does. No problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly, well, I think he and Nynaeve have a love story at this point. So yeah. that one's clear to me. But this moment with Perrin is also really, I do think this is a different, he's like, okay, this kid's got to feel like shit. And he probably had an inkling of another person who had golden yeah. eyes. Because yeah. is it here? We do find out that Elias had been awarded. Awarded. Yeah. So pretty incredible connections. But I, I... I feel like at this point, he's starting to show, like feel affection towards these Emin Filders, due largely to the way he feels about Nynaeve. Nynaeve, right? And the way Nynaeve feels about these, like these are her cups, these are, you know, yeah, this is her brews. Um, she needs to take care of them. And because of his feelings for her, he's starting to you know, kind of adopt that uh, feeling of needing to protect these kids, right? And, like, needing yeah. to console them. Whereas before this moment, he showed none of that towards them. He was just very, yeah. right, just, just stone cold. Like, he wasn't an asshole, but he was just, like... He's definitely he's, growing a heart for them. Yeah. You're right. And I, I, I think that was a sweet land moment, so... Okay. All right. So now we're going to... Back to Rand's point of view, chapter 39, okay. Weaving of the Web. Okay. All right. So Matt is still... I also, I'm going to say, I also really like these two chapters too. Oh, okay. Lot. Okay. They're, they're unique, but... um. 
Matt is still sick in the room, and Gil ha- tells Rand about a beggar who's been asking about three lads by name. And also there's rumors of strange shapes in town, which Gil does not quite believe, but mentions his front door is being watched by traitors, which we now know are the people in town wearing white who are opposed to the queen, who those people wear red. Um, the false dragon Loghain has arrived to Camelon to meet Morghese, and Rand, I think, someone gives an estimate of a 10 to 1 ratio of white versus red in the crowd that wants to see Logan, so very distinct. You're in the Queen City, and most of the people don't like the Queen. Like, yeah. Holy cow. Yep. Um, so Rand is going through the crowd because he wants to see it. Um, we do know Rand had covered his Heronmark sword with red, but um, in the crowd, he, he kind of wants to avoid any fights or anything. But actually, at some point, he is spotted by the beggar. And, um, okay, okay. Uh, a couple things. Yeah. Real fast. When you when you first heard about the beggar, did you have any? Oh, it's totally fame. You first read, first read. You it had was no fame. doubt in your mind because Rand had met Fane and told him way too much. Now was that Barillon or yep. Whitebridge? That was in Barillon. And it was it was back when I was like, you listen to everything Moraine has told you, and she said, you know, don't talk to weird people, and Fane is weird. Nope, that was totally, I knew that was okay. Fane. Which, that was my next comment okay. to the reader at this point. That's obviously Fane. Yep. That's so okay. obvious. But Rand doesn't quite make that connection. He uh, just he's knows. Such a, he's such a fucking idiot right now. Oh, it's a beggar that's been asking by her name, so I better not let him um, find me. And it was also interesting because the beggar was clear was not watching for the false dragon, but was headed towards, directly towards Rand. So, so also, sorry, I'm cutting you off again, but also... Uh, I just wanted to bring up at this point, this is when you get like the explanation of the of the red wrappings and the white wrappings, right? Yeah, I do think it was here. Yes. And, so he and, had bought um, the cheap fabric. But which was so red. so the red is uh, showing support of the queen. Correct. The white is uh, showing non support. Non support of the queen, right? <laughs> right? Like like you don't like the queen. Yeah. And there are a lot of whites. Now I, I feel like we need to talk about why is there so much hate for Queen Morghese right now? Because everything we've heard coming, even even the people that didn't like Asa Dai, everything we've heard coming into Camelin from the the farmers that gave him rides and talked to him, Morghese is an amazing queen, and everybody loves Morghese. So why is there all this hate towards Morghese? I gotta say, I never thought critically about it. I just feel like, hey, look at the USA right now. People hate they're politicians. Yep, yep. There's no pe- a pleasing, pleasing everyone. But now that I've read it through again, you know, I'm not going to say I've thought much more critically about okay. it. But you ask me here in this moment, well, you know, the weather's been really bad. So well, and are they mad at her because the weather has been bad? All of a sudden, they're they're getting pissed about the connection that she has with the Ace of Eye. They don't like that she has an right. Ace of Eye advisor, which, to my knowledge, has never been a big issue... Until, Until this year, and I think it's, yes, due to, like, the bad weather, bad crops. This was the year 2020 for Rams. Yeah, okay. it just gets worse. Oh, it does. But, <laughs> but sure, sure, uh, this this was 2020. Okay. <laughs> All right, Rand runs away from the beggar. Um, he doesn't want to confront him, but, of course, Rand still wants to see the false dragon, so he climbs... Climbs a garden wall 
and he sees Loghain and he really just dislikes that experience and he even wonders aloud so why are Aesidi watching this guy and lo and behold he hears a girl's voice respond to his question and call him silly and Rand then falls off said well said well um she <laughs> says uh uh, so they won't channel silly, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically. Basically, like that. I just thought it was cute. She called him silly, <laughs> and then okay. he falls. Okay, I want to. I want to talk about this. All right. So he sees Logan. Correct. And even though he was so far away, he knew he wouldn't be able to see his face. All of a sudden, he felt like he was like standing right next to him, right? Yeah. Or like like he could see him so clearly. And and they go into uh, a long description about Loghain and talk about how uh, he just looks like a king, right? Yeah, that's just, part of it. He, he just holds he himself. He holds himself like a king. And then he's looking around the crowd and then just all of a sudden just breaks pause. into like mad laughter. Yeah. Does he pause when he's in Rand's direction or is that a different point? No, he he he, yeah. he basically pauses in land in Rand's direction and so he sensed something from Rand. That so that's what you think. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Because now at this point, this is uncharted territory, right? Because at at this point in where you actually oh. are in the books, yes. Um, you haven't. Okay. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, Twitch okay, is okay. trying to not spoil stuff for me. He's practicing self-control. Well, it's, it's tricky because Mandy has read the first four books. We didn't talk about that this episode. We normally Oops. do start out with that. Um, so there are always potential spoilers up until... Um, Through book four. Yeah, up until like the end of The Shadow Rising. So um, I, I sometimes can't remember exactly what happens... Before where she's at and after where she's at. Um, and I can't remember either and I'm rereading it. Okay, so it's perfect. All fair. Perfect. All is fair in awesome. these books. But okay. we do have one more chapter yes. for today. Should we roll through it? Yes, let's do it. Chapter 40, The Web Titans. So, uh, there's a very simple Moraine Logan by Alzaman dream sequence, followed by Rand waking up inside the wall to a beautiful girl dressed as a lady and a boy who appears to be her sibling because they both have beautiful hair. Meet Elaine and Gawain, who is warning his sister, Mom will be mad. And here, Elaine is just tending to Rand's head wound, and there's some minor talk between the two. Rand eventually says he's from the Two Rivers, which Gawain comments, they are stubborn folk. Elaine should marry one, basically saying his sister needs to be uh, challenged more often. <laughs> here, enter Galad, the fierce and protective older half-brother, who manages to not attack Rand, but Elaine comments after Galad leaves that he is vile and full of envy. And Gawain mentions, uh, which I think is important, that Galad once saved his life, so Gawain feels a debt to Galad. Um, Elaine and Gawain tell Rand, get out of here, as Galad always does the right thing. But too late. Soldiers arrive to arrest Rand, and Elaine throws in her protection, and they are all actually taken together to her mother, Queen Morghese. Rand sees the lush gardens, green, beautiful, wonderful, and Elaine just notes, yeah, Elada does this, but she's not really helping the farm. She said I could pick one, which really seems cheap, by the way, but right. that maybe, maybe now we're noticing what's that conflict between the queen's people. Um, we do get to meet the queen, 
who is initially just upset at Elaine for not listening to her rules, upset at Gawain for not stopping his sister, and then um, kind of is critical about Rand, but when he's said to be from the Two Rivers, we do see Aleda becoming really excited in the background. Um, the queen asks for a straightforward foretelling from Aleda, who provides an innocuous foretelling out loud, although adds an end to her foretelling, only in a whisper for Rand to hear. Um, that he is the heart of what is to come. And that was just for Rand only. So anyway, Margay's claims truth is stranger than fiction and acknowledges that Rand actually does have the true Two Rivers accent that her guard and Aleda would not be familiar with. So he's pardoned. And in leaving, Elaine calls him handsome. And Gaiman says, hey man, you really do look like an ale man. Which is the second time now that we've heard Rand called an ale man. Mm, Things are getting spicy for Rand. Okay. Okay, um, end, okay, end that chapter. Okay, so um, quite a few things to unpack, because that's actually, in out of the out of the chapters we talked about today, that's actually like the longest, and that's like your shortest <laughs> um, evaluation. So it's just, just it, so we're meeting characters. Totally we're, meeting we're, a bunch of characters. Um, and um, uh, there's a lot of talk. Yeah, I was probably sick of writing about all these new characters. No, I get you, point. I get you. Um... But uh, uh, there's a bunch of, damn it, I totally lost my train of thought. Well, you seem disappointed I didn't include every last detail of this chapter, so. No, no, not. Oh, you know, I do have one thing worth mentioning. At this point, first read through, chapter 40, The Wed Titans, I was totally looking, you know, you do the whole, how much of this book is left? And I was like, there is no way Robert Jordan can end this story with 14 chapters to go. Yeah. I was wrong. He does. Yeah. He does end it. So I wanted no, to but, point that but, out. No, but you're, you're, you're right. You're getting because to that point where you're like... you're meeting new characters. I just met like six new characters in this yep. chapter. Seven. Seven new important characters. New characters. Yep. Yep. That's Who a lot. are potentially all going to come back up, right? Right. Like Elaine definitely seems like she's going to be part of the story Elaine, for a Gary while. Galad, Elida for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say his name. Is it Gareth? Who's the Gareth Byrne or Gareth Bryan? Sure. I'd probably say either. And and then uh, the uh, or Bryn. A lot of people say Gareth Bryn. I say Bryn. Um, and then Morgase. Uh, Morgase, of course. And then uh, Guardsman Lieutenant Talonvor. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a lot. There's so. So many. I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, everybody that we meet at the palace, pretty much that has a name. You're going to meet again. Oh. Um, but in in the um, like those first what six chapters that we talked about. Yep. Um, with Rand and Matt. All the farmers were named. I want you guys to know. I was really I, no. I was really happy that you included all of their names right. because I'm not gonna lie. There are some of them. Not all of them, but some of them do come up again. And and sometimes not until way, 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 way later. So, because remember, this is a 14-book And so, page, I do uh, 14, have... 14-book series. I also keep a notebook of detailed notes that I summarize. So, even as I'm looking through my detailed notes of Chapter 40, I'm like, oh yeah, we also learn who's... Shared dad. Their shared dad is Galadadrid, whatever. Galadadrid. Uh, Gal- Galadrid. Galadrid. Galadrid Galadrid. Demadrid. I don't know. 
Something like that? Why yeah, can't, why so can't that's you? Okay. the lads uh, and Elaine's and E... Oh, gosh. I don't like the other name, actually. Gawain. Gawain. You've been, you've been pronouncing it Gawain. It's, it's Gawain. He sounds so stupid. Um, just based he, on But he name. seems like a nice guy. Yeah, but his mom gave him a dandy name. Like, oh, Gawain. <laughs> uh, Galad is better. Like, Galad sounds better so, to me. So you've, you've listened to a couple of episodes of Gus and Allie, right? I just Wheel a takes. couple, yes. Uh, I, I believe... Allie uh, refers to Gawain as, as a stupid millennial name, like Brayden okay. and Caden, you know. I support that. It's just stupid. Like, I really, I don't like Gawain, Gawain, who cares? Um, <laughs> he's not a stupid person. His name is stupid. Sorry, Morgan. So, so anyways, there's a lot of conversation between um, Elaine and Gawain. True. Um while they're trying to figure out what to do after Galad is left because they know he's going to get the guards. Um, but there's a lot of information dumped on us. There is. In that small conversation. This is also where we learn, they, they get really playful with each other, which, yeah, I'm like, in real life, you guys wouldn't be doing this in front of an injured kid who your bro- your half-brother is calling the guards I, I, I don't but know, they, though. They're, they're, they're royals, right? Like, we don't know what kind of, like, like sheltered lifestyle the royals have. They're all playful, and Elaine is insisting to Gawain, or Gawain as you like to call him, that he is your, my, you're my only first prince of the sword, which is my direct reference back to a few chapters ago we learned about Tigraine and her brother Luke, Luke yeah. who both basically either disappeared or died, and I do think it's worth noting who's just disappearing, because I'm like, eh, are you really dead? Okay. I don't trust this book okay. series anymore. You're not dead unless someone found your headless right. body. No, I like it. I like so, it. So, uh, yeah, I think Tigraine just disappeared. Luke died. But that's the reference. Okay, so she's the daughter heir. She. This is a uh, maternal queen's line, Yep, right? this is a matriarch. This is matriarch, a matriarch, excuse me. Yeah. And then the brother can be first prince. Sounds like that's just that's, historically. Yep. And you've got a brother, he can be first prince. And it is interesting that it did skip the half-brother. But it, I guess it makes sense. So the brother does not share the same mother. Yeah. So then, therefore, he's not actually from the matriarchy. And so, line. so really, in a lot of ways, you could say he's not even really royalty. No, because I, because the I I don't believe the queen's husband is called the king. No, I believe, I've never heard him reference. No, I I can't remember what they're um, called, but they're called. And I don't think maybe they're the first prince. Maybe. I guess if 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 you marry, you can make your husband the first What's prince. What's the Queen of England's husband? She's prince. He's a prince. She's queen. Isn't he? You know what? I've prince. never I've never taken the time in my life to to learn anything about the royals because I. I love you, to, England. I I have nothing against England. I just don't have any interest in learning about the the um, royals. Is or I think it's Prince Philip, not King Philip. So I'm just saying it's it's. The title goes to the royalty. Okay. Sorry, every English person out there, if I butcher <laughs> that. I am part of the American group that just loves it, is so entertained by it, which I have heard is weird, but we like no, it. No, 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 no. It's it's not like mm-hmm. they're in the tabloids and everything. I just, I've I've never felt the desire to learn more about the royals um, ever since uh, Diana died. Like, of course, yeah. like growing up, my my. My my mom and and like my aunts and my sisters were really into the royals because Diana was just such a active princess, right? And and she just 
She was she was like the celebrity princess, truly. And she was like, okay, we're way detracting from this podcast. But even when I I was still probably in middle school and that yeah. happened, I know I was actually. Um, yeah, I was in high school. Mother Teresa died the same time, but yep, same Diana year. was like the epic of this is a real princess. And even now, I can look back and see all the amazing things she did. Where I'm like, she was legit humble. She touched people who had diagnosed AIDS. Yep. Like, that is yep. heroic, especially yep. back in the 80s, 90s, yep. when that was actually literally heroic. Yeah, so, exactly. And she battled an eating disorder. I mean, there's so much... No, she, no she, she's, she's a badass. She, yeah, no, I love Diana. But that's about as far as okay, my interest. Okay, so, so, but you were so correct. Uh, king, what, whatever, Gallad's dad was not a king at all. He was called he some, was, I don't know. Yeah, like Prince called. Consort or something like I that. I truly was not like impressed with him he sounds and i might be tripping into future chapters but he sounds kind of like a sperm donor yeah he i i think his motivation to marry morgase after tigraine disappeared uh was just to because he's kyrianan he's not andorn he's kyrianan oh was it like a and it was just it was just a way to like have a connection okay because the Demon Dread line for a long time was, was, was the royal... Yeah. Anyways, we'll learn more about that in book two. Yeah. So we do get a little... Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of glided over... But, okay, so... so um, One other thing I want to touch on in this, in this uh, chapter is um, the expo dump that... Oleda gives talking about yeah that's interesting and slightly confusing I don't know if we need to refer back to the book for that one so she's talking about how uh, Elaine needs to get her shit together because they're going to camp uh, going to Tarvalin in two days um, so both her and uh, well all three her Gawain and Galat are all going to Camelot um, Galad and Gawain to train with the warders and Elaine to train with the Ace of I because it is a tradition that Camelin okay. queens send the daughter heir and the princes to go um, train in yes. Tarval. And then that's just tradition. And so maybe this timing also correlates to all the unrest in Camelin because they're pissed at the Ace of I. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm even. I'm just glancing in the actual chapter because you're right. I did glide over a lot because there's just too much. There, like, there's no, there, even, there's, there's, it's, it's, there's, there's a little literal quote from the queen, like everyone in the city is not the daughter heir. I have seen this fellow Logan going on. He's dangerous going on. Um, even caged with an ace ID to guard him every minute. He is still as dangerous as a wolf. I'm really impressed with all the wolf references when yep. I read through it again. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so th- there's a lot, there's so much. But yeah, Elida gives that idea like, come on, you're coming to Tarvalin soon. Like, it's like you guys are coming off to boarding school, so yeah. get your shit together. Um, and then even, I was thinking Elida's foretelling specifically is interesting. I don't know what what else do you have for me, Twitch? Because no, I there's think that's, just too much for me. No, I I think that's it. I just I just wanted to touch on like. The fact that they're, they were talked about them going, oh, um, one other thing, the way Rand presents himself to the queen. Uh, he does he does the right thing. Isn't he formal? He, no? he basically just copies what Talonvor yeah. and Gawain and, is Gareth, and Galad do. And, Dear Captain Gareth is getting pissed at Rand. No, 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 no. 
uh, Talonvor. Talonvor. Talonvor is annoyed with Rand. Because Rand his... is looking around the room because he's so curious. So yeah, he's copying everyone. He's copying everybody. He's got that much down, and... but then he wants to see like what's here. But he's he, curious. But but uh, Brian, I call him Brian. A lot of people call him Bran. Gareth. I'll Gareth call him Bran. Gareth. Um, when when they discover that he has a heron marked blade. Oh yeah. A Haramar sword. Yeah, this is important. Um, it's a blade they're, master They're sword. like, okay, hold on. This guy is a farmer from the two rivers and yet he has a heron marked blade and he's way too young to be a blade master and, and uh, Gareth Bryan's like, I agree, he's way too young to be a blade master, <laughs> yeah. but and that's... it belongs to him and he belongs to it. Yeah, the queen is totally, I love her. She, I, I, first of all, I love that she knew the accent because yep. that also tells me she's a good queen. She's, she's good traveled. Queen. She's, yep. She remembers. Yep. Yep. She I actually does care about the she people in her realm. She mentions, um, okay, so no one with your hair and eyes would ever claim to be a two rivers shepherd unless it was true. Because yep. we've gotten the point. Kid looks like an ailment. I think he asks after this, but it's confirmed. Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to talk to. You're not yeah. dark in color. You're, you know, fair with red hair. And then... Oh, wait, hold on. Can you read that description? Oh, no, that's all they said. I did read that. On, uh, 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 Aleda says oh. something about... Oh, it doesn't matter. But, um, Aleda says something about, um... Aleda's foretelling, this I foretell and swear under the light that I can say no clearer. From this day, Andor marches toward pain and division. The shadow has yet to darken its to its blackest, and I cannot see if the light will come after. Where the world has wept one tear, it will weep thousands, I foretell. And that's when she whispers in just this too I foretell. Pain and division come to the whole world, and this man stands at the heart of it. I obey the queen and speak it clearly. That last part was for Rand only. She doesn't go into the description. It was her... Later, he asks Gawain, what were you thinking of me? Well, um, no, somebody, I, I think it's a later describes, says something about people from the two rivers are dark of, like, oh. dark of hair and eyes and never have this, like, fair of skin. Right, so that's one of the few, I just wanted to point that out because that's one of the few times we ever really do get, like, description of, like, some sort of skin color in all of these books. Oh, okay. And I also wanted to bring that up, and this might be controversial to some listeners, but I also wanted to bring this up because when the when the Emin Fielders Five were initially announced, at least on Facebook, because that's the only uh, social media platform I was on at the time, there was a lot of people being like, "Why would they cast Perrin and Egwene and Nynaeve? of like why why would they use?" actors of actresses of color for those roles and so i just i I always go back to this description it's like it's because two rivers folk are darker than what rand is right okay i found it so Aleda from the two rivers with that red in his hair and gray eyes two rivers people are dark of hair and i and they seldom have such height her hand darts out, pushes back his coat sleeve. Oh, she's so invasive. Exposing lighter skin the sun had not reached so often. And she then comments, or such skin. Yep. Um, good call. Good call, Twitch. So, so anyways, and then when they're leaving, he asks Gawain 
uh, something what to did the you extent, think it looked like, like, like okay, yeah and why then, why why don't i look like if i don't look like a two rivers man what do i look like gay one says wrap a shoe foot around your head ran and you would be the image of an ale man odd since mother seems to think you sound like a two rivers man at least and then just i wish we could have come to know each other yeah. but i do want to get back more gay is the only other thing what was it so i you know that your father give you uh, gave you a hair and mark blade is too preposterous yep. to be a lie. I just like her power of deduction. Like yep. she's so she's smart. She's smart, fair. Yeah. Like she's she's a good queen. And then she does say, third, the voice that whispers to me that the best lie is often one too ridiculous to be taken for a lie. That voice is not proof. I will uphold the laws as I have made. I give you freedom, but suggest don't trespass in the future. So, yeah. um. Yeah, good call. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there that I might have glossed over. That's why. That's why. That's one of my like truly. That's and I, I don't think in my first read it was it was one of my favorite chapters. But in many of my rereads, like my most recent rereads, I love that chapter because it's, it's just there's so much packed into that. Yeah, and it even I gotta say it like in my mind's eye as I was reading them, it goes from this. Dirty, busy streets of Camelin, like, sure, not dirty, horrible, but just, I picture dirty stonework, then just falling into this lush garden with this sweet lady and her little brother, like, it's it's just this beautiful paradise out of nowhere, and it is like a magical gateway. Yeah. And then, boy, you feel bad, though, when they're like, uh, you're probably gonna have to go hang out in prison, because you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> so good job, Elaine, for standing up for Rand. But, okay. No, it, it, it's, 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 it's a fun chapter. And, all right, uh, fuck Mary Kills. Oh boy, I didn't really think through. I know, I, you know, I what's know really funny? who I would kill. Okay. But let me think through uh, it. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, so. Oh, I know who I'd fuck. Okay, so. I don't usually feel this way. But in the, in this section. I would totally fuck Nine if she was such a badass. Just, just like her ability to stay calm in a stressful situation. Yes, of course she's doing it for land, but um. So I really would like to say Nine if, but I also really like to fuck a queen. <laughs> so great, <laughs> and you know, um. Jordan so aptly, you know, which cringes a lot of people, which is pretty cringy the way he describes Morghese and from Rand's point of view is she was as beautiful as Elaine, just more mature and ripened. And I know that term ripened really pisses <laughs> off a lot of people, so. It doesn't bother me. Okay. I think right. aging is a part of life. Oh, so yeah. No, no. I Great. Yeah. But anyway, so like... It's kind of a tie for who I okay. want to fuck, but uh, I'd, I'd probably go ahead and go say more gays because who doesn't want to fuck a queen, right? But this is one of the few times during this series that I really, like, have those feel Like, you know what I mean? Like, that Nynaeve would be in a position where I would want to... Anyways, I'll stop there. <laughs> Marriage! Um... I... Shit, I would have to say Basil Gill. Yeah, he's he's a stud. Yeah, he's he's he, he he once again he's a protector. He cares. He's loyal. He's loyal to his friends. He's a good person, reasonable. And then, kill. 
Fucking Matt. I is Matt right right now Matt is just being such a shit. Although I do have to say he really stepped up um when Rand was sick. He did. He 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 made sure that they he he it was the one moment where he glowed when he knew Rand couldn't take care of him. He stepped up and he took care of Rand. And that's you've got to respect him for that. So I'll instead of instead of Matt I'll go ahead and kill Pater. Oh, good call. Okay. 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 <laughs> So can I fucking marry the same person? Because it would be Land. I mean... Is that cheap? I'm assuming that you're going to be fucking the person you marry. That's true. All right, so then it'd have to be married. So the, the, the fuck is, is an option for like, yeah, I really want to fuck you, but I do not want to spend time with you. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's why 90 is such a good choice. Because, yeah, in this moment, <laughs> I would love to fuck you, but I don't want to spend time with you after that. Because you're just irritating. Mm. All right, I might have to go back. Right, I'm not sure who I just fucked. Uh, maybe I'll give it. I'll actually maybe I'll give that to Perrin just because he's trying so hard. That poor kid. I mean, <laughs> he is though. He's trying yeah. so hard to do his best, and it, maybe it'd be if I feel bad for you. Let let me help you feel better. That'd be like thing. a pity fuck. Yeah, but it's poor. Our new poor segment: pity fuck, marry, kill. Uh, I, I'm going to go, because I, I try to keep to main people. I'm trying to actually stay away from obvious dark friends. Um, that's been my goal anyway. Okay. Unless they were all dark friends. Like, yeah. I feel like I want to choose one category or another. Because then I'm, I'm definitely marrying Lan. Like, he's my dream at this point. Like, if I wasn't sold on this series, that chapter, The Warder's Love Story, sold me. Okay. And then kill, actually, Galad. Little dick. Okay. okay. Just that okay. rubs me the yeah. wrong way. A lot of people in the fandom I... hate Galad, and I, I Galad's definitely not one of my favorites. But um, we're in the first book. All these characters, a lot of these characters grow. Grow up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of them have great arcs. A lot of them go from like somebody you hate to somebody you love. Right, which I fully acknowledge. We're going section by section, yep. so I might change that in the future anyway. But all right. Thank all right. You. Well, awesome. Uh, this has been our longest episode so far, and uh, we're gonna try to wrap up next time, though, right? Yeah, All yeah. Right. We're we're gonna finish uh, the rest of the book next time, I believe. All right. So okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Glee Man's Apprentice. You guys have a great day. Bye, listeners. Oh, bye, listeners. Thank you for joining us on the Glee Man's Apprentice. I have been Twitch Avery. The Glee Man's Apprentice is hosted by Twitch Avery and Mandy Katz. Edited by Twitch Avery and produced by Twitch Avery and Mandy Cat. The theme song was written by yours truly and performed and produced by Andrew Bard of Time. Thank you for listening.